Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Alan Lewis. Thanks for being on the show, Alan. Hey, my pleasure. Excited to be here. Thanks, Whitney. You know, I'm honored to have you on the show. I know we've had some conversations and I know you're, you're a perfect guest and just from your uh, wide range and just very thorough experience in this industry. And so, but a little about Alan, he's a chief investment officer and co-founder of Diversifund, a financial tech startup dedicated to providing everyday Americans with the same investment opportunities as the wealthy. He's earned his law degree from Columbia and spent nearly a decade working as a corporate lawyer and investment banker on Wall Street. In 2014, he transitioned to real estate development focusing on multifamily and master plan residential developments. In 2016, he co-founded Diversifund with his partner, Craig Cecilio, um, to pursue his goal of democratizing wealth building through making alternative investments accessible to everyone. Alan has worked on transactions totaling an aggregate over $41 billion. Well, Alan, you know, thank you again for your time. It's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. I'm looking forward to this interview. Tell the listeners a little more about who you are and let's dive in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a simple guy. I grew up in the Midwest in a suburb of Chicago and was the oldest of six kids. And, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, busy uh, keeping us out of trouble uh, for the most part. And my dad was uh, an ice cream taste tester. He worked for, he's worked for Dove Bar and Haagen-Dazs and Ben and & Jerry's, you know, a little bit of everything, which, you know, is quite an interesting uh, career. But what I realized when I went out to law school at Columbia out in New York, it was just this whole new world. You know, I was, you know, fellow students who were trust fund kids and who had parents who, you know, had wealth that I, you know, couldn't even imagine. So it was a big eye opener to me to go from there to, you know, having clients as a young attorney and investment banker who are private equity firms, you know, making hundreds of millions of dollars. I just realized there was a whole different set of rules when it came to building wealth that, you know, my family didn't know about. And so it was really my mission to go, okay, I have to figure out what these rules are and then more importantly, start taking action to make changes in my life so that I could start participating, you know, in those same wealth building paths and commercial real estate, cash flowing real estate, you know, is one of the obvious ones that a lot of us, you know, have, have gotten into and it's been a great, great fit. Nice. So, you know, I pretty much didn't hear anything after your dad was a taste uh, ice cream taste tester. No, I'm just yeah. Yeah. You know, that's an amazing job, wouldn't it? And uh, that's awesome. And, but, you know, you notice these things and then, then you determined how to take action to realize that for yourself as well. And so that's, that's incredible. But, you know, today in this business, like what, what is your, you know, specific focus and, and what are you doing in this business like today, every day? Yeah. So, you know, at Diversity Fund, we started this company and our big goal is just to create an online investment system so that people can come to the website. You know, we have an SEC qualified REIT. It structures a REIT for tax purposes. And that fund invests in multifamily cash flowing, multifamily value add properties. So, and we have a very low minimum. It's just $500. So, someone can start with $500 and all of a sudden be invested into a portfolio of cash flowing real estate. And so that's been a big part of our mission is just to completely equalize access so that no one has an excuse anymore. Everyone can get started with, with real estate. On the other side, and this isn't on our website, but I work with some of our higher net worth investors who want to be part of a syndication 
directly into one asset. Instead of going through a fund structure, we have some investors who are writing bigger checks who say, look, I just want to invest in this 200 unit you know, apartment deal in Dallas or this 300 unit deal in, in Austin. We're doing a lot of deals in Texas right now because we like those markets. And so I'm working with those and having conversations and even work with some of our family office partners and institutional partners that want to write you know, the whole check as a limited partner and, and going through that process. Nice. So, you know, doing this business, you're having these calls with investors just all the time. And you are, I loved how you mentioned this before we started recording too, you're unpacking the complexity. So they're comfortable writing checks, they're comfortable with the knowledge, gaining this knowledge that you're able to give them about real estate and why it's important to own real estate and helping them build that wealth that you were even talking about, you know, in the beginning that you learned as well. So, you know, I'd love to dive into that a little bit and how you unpack that complexity. And so, you know, when the listeners or myself are talking, to our investors, you know, we can be at that same level you are and really understand how to speak to them in a way that that they are comfortable writing the checks, they're comfortable with this investment, and that we're being as as transparent as possible. Yeah, and it really depends on the investor and where they're at. You know, if you're working with a very new investor, you may have to start all the way at the top with just a story of cash flow and real estate. You know, here's why we like it. Here's why it's a low correlated asset and you don't have to deal with the stock market volatility. Here's why, here's some of the tax advantages with depreciation, you know, covering your, your rental income coming out of the asset. And so you may have to start high level, but for someone who's now ready to get involved in commercial real estate, and they're looking at you as a sponsor, they're looking at you, you know, at the particular deal, a particular market, then at that point, I really like to help them walk through, well, how do I look at the deal? You know, how do we get comfortable with it? And really go through the story of how we found the deal, why we like it, you know, what our concerns are. I think investors really want to see, okay, help me see the upside. That's the easy part. Now help me understand the risks and how we're going to mitigate them and deal with them. And I think having a balanced story really helps you to establish that credibility. So if I'm in a tertiary market and there may be, you know, some risks, you know, as far as occupancy rates uh, go, you know, I really want to get into the story of the comps. You know, here's a comp that's across the street and here's how it's performing. We went and visited it and here's what we saw. And here's where we think we can duplicate their success. And here's why we think we can match their rent per square foot. You know, here's and really go through exactly how we think about our asset. And the other thing, too, I found is a lot of your new investors have what I call analysis paralysis, right? They don't know what they don't know. And so if you have all this information, they just don't even know, well, should I, is this enough? Should I be doing twice as much due diligence? You know, and then there are four other questions, secret questions I should be asking. And so as I kind of walk them through, like, here's how I look at comps, you know, here's how I look at a pro forma. Let me help you understand why, you know, we think you're looking at the IRR and the cash on cash yield while holding and the equity multiple are the three big economic drivers on return that we focus on. And then the other thing too is, is I think is a lot of investors don't want to admit what they don't know. They don't, no one likes saying, Hey, can you explain that to me? I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I just always check in with them as we're having a conversation. Hey, you know, as we're talking about this 18% IRR net to investors, you know, I assume, you know, you've heard that before, but happy to go through that. You know, would that be helpful if we kind of walk through that? And most people say, yeah, if you wouldn't mind going over that again and kind of walking me through the details, you know, even if they're really familiar with it, it's still good to have a refresher and have that conversation. I think one of the first things you said there was so important too. You said, you know, it depends on where the investor's at. 
right? Yes. And, you, and I think you have to be listening closely so you can understand, well, you know, do they have some experience? Do they not? Where are they at? Like you mentioned. And so you know how to how to share this story. You don't want to insult them, but, but you do want to be as transparent and explain those details so they are comfortable, you know, with investing in that deal. So as far as developing this story, or I want to back up though, you know, how do you understand where that investor's at? Maybe what are some questions that you lead into when you're in that conversation so you can understand exactly where they're at? Yeah, and that's exactly it. If you want to know where an investor's at, you just have to ask. And it's that simple. I know sometimes people are a little gun shy and feel like, okay, if I'm just having an initial conversation with this investor, it's probably too early to start asking, you know, some personal questions about past investments. And I don't think that's the case. I, I've always found investors, you know, at this point, they're talking to you about a particular deal. And I think they understand that it's, you know, a very frank conversation about you know, what they're comfortable with and what they've done in the past. So I'll just ask them to say, hey, you know, help me understand so that I can do a better job presenting this deal to you and, and focusing on things that are relevant to your questions. Help me understand, you know, what you've done in the past. You know, have you invested in real estate before? You know, is it, you know, have you done your own, you know, vacation rentals, fix and flip on the residential side? Have you ever invested in an apartment building? You know, tell me about that deal. And then what will happen is they'll tell you their story. And if they've had a deal gone wrong, that's super helpful because now that's a concern that you have to overcome. So if someone's invested and done fix and flip and had a terrible experience, you know, I want to make sure I help understand why that went wrong, went wrong and what the difference is here so that they're not worried about, you know, dealing with the same issues. And so it's really helpful to hear about their deals gone wrong and then help them to see why this is a different scenario and how we've dealt with those risks and don't expect to have the, you know, the same issues. That's awesome. Now, again, it's, it's asking good questions and being a good listener. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And people really are will, willing to share. I mean, and I'll even ask them, you know, just to help me understand kind of where you're at in your investment uh, profile. You know, you know, what's the typical size of check that you tend to write, you know, for real estate deals, if they've invested in real estate deals before. And people will tell you, they're like, I'm a 50K, you know, 50K, 100K, or, you know, I start with 25K for a new sponsor. And that gives you a lot of information that's helpful for both sides. Nice. No. So in developing this story, you know, I've heard numerous people talk about you got to have the story or a property has a specific story and you got to develop the story. When What does that look like to you all or, or when you're talking to an investor or maybe even the story about, you know, your all's company or the story about the property? What, what are some things we should think about when developing our story or property specific story? Yeah, I think I think a story, you know, covers three main areas. They have to like you as a sponsor. So you got to tell your story as a sponsor, you know, why you're doing this, you know, what you've done in the past, you know, what, what your internal team looks like. You st- and then you go to the asset itself, the story behind the asset, and then the market it's in, you know, the story behind the market and why you like it and why you think it's a good place to be investing money, both short-term and long-term, depending on the hold period. So I, I think in, in each of those, you know, the sponsor story, you know, you really start telling the same story every time. And so you want to make sure you're, you're trying to keep that story a little fresh. But with the asset story, you know, I, I think it's starting with, hey, here's how we found the deal. It's an off-market deal or we were bidding against others. And, you know, here's, we underwrote this price and we weren't the highest price, but they had confidence in us that we could close. And so that's why we got the deal and we're still happy with the price we got. And then the market, I think this is a really challenging one for people who are outside the state. So for example, we're doing a lot of deals in in Texas. And so if I'm talking to an investor in Texas about a Dallas property, yeah, I don't have to really talk about the market. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm living in Texas. I see the headlines. I know it's a great place to be. You know, I may have to spend a little time in that particular city if it's a tertiary market. You know, if here's the occupancy rate, we went toward the comps. 
you know, the, like for example, just on investor, we toured the comps and the comps all had, the, all three comps had 100% occupancy and with a two month waiting list, you know, per the property manager. And just telling them that, hey, we picked up the phone, we walked in the door, they like to hear that. And so you can kind of take them along with you on your due diligence journey and really help them to see, you know, what you've seen, you know, the lens you have on the deal. And then at that point, you know, with the market and the deal, it's helping them understand the opportunity. So for example, if I'm showing people pictures of a class C plus building, a lot of investors don't see opportunity. They see a beat up, you know, old building that needs a lot of help. And we help them to see, okay, now, you know, here's a picture of what we are expecting to do on the renovation side. And we'll be able to take it from a $500 rent a month to, you know, say a $600 rent a month based on the comp across the street that just did a renovation, you know, a couple of years ago. And I know I can match those rents if, if not beat them. And so now you're helping them see opportunity in the ugliness of an asset, you know, in the neglect of an asset, in the fact that it's been mismanaged by a team, that it's not leased up as well as it could be, that there's a loss to lease factor, you know, in the current rents, even before you renovate and really helping to see each of those opportunities through the story you tell. Incredible. So as uh, a story is so important and I appreciate you've elaborated so well on all those, on those, all those points and even seeing how they see it. Like, yeah, like you said, they don't know how to see the value at first, do they? They don't understand, you know, they don't, like you said, they see this beat up building and they're probably going to run from it. But they don't see the, the value there or the opportunity. And so are there any other ways that you are educating investors, maybe outside of that first call? Uh, now we've told our story, we're talking, we've told them about the property, the team, the market, and what are ways that you're educating them, you know, even after that first phone call? Yeah, I mean, we've made a big investment into social media content and just content on the website. So we're doing, you know, whether whether it's blog posts or we'll record videos where we just kind of do a real estate 101 where today let's talk about for five minutes, what's a cap rate? You know, how do we use a cap rate? How do we understand a cap rate? And these are terms that a lot of investors have heard time and time again, and they kind of know what it means, but not really. And so if you can be successful at taking a complex term and repackaging it in terms that are accessible and understandable to an everyday investor who's not a professional real estate investor, that helps you really earn some credibility with them because now you are positioning yourself as an expert who not only understands the stuff, but can make it accessible to the investors so they can overcome some of those fears of what they don't know. Nice. Yes. So content, you're all creating more content, you're putting this stuff out. So people are becoming more educated. And then anyways, like even, you know, to the people who are already on your list, you know, you're connecting through all these people through social media, you know, any ways that you're reaching out to to educate them to a higher level, I guess, so they understand, or maybe they're more prepared when you do send out that offering or then another fund or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just the content and, and the emails. You know, we, Diversity Fund, we're actually pretty sophisticated. When someone signs up for our site, we're able to do a pretty good job of predicting, you know, their demographic based on their location, kind of, are they close to retirement? Are they, you know, 30 and single in San Francisco downtown? And can tailor some of our content that we send to them through the automation process. And that's been really helpful so that we're really trying to understand the different personas of investors that we're dealing with and tailoring our content to them through data applications. That's something that I think all of us will have to get better at over time is to almost create, you know, at some point you're going to create individualized content for people. And that's, you know, a few years out. But, but I think, yeah, I think when people feel like, okay, this is addressing 
the concerns, the needs, the desires, the goals I have as an investor without even, and you're doing it without even knowing, without the voicing those things. And so that's, it really is helpful. You know, since you are, you all have started this fund, Diverse Fund, and, you know, I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit and maybe even some, you know, some pros and cons to why someone would invest in a fund like that as opposed to, you know, with a specific operator. Yeah. So the fund, you know, we're the specific operator in the fund. So all the deals in the fund, we're the sponsor, you know, we're sourcing the deal, we're underwriting, we're putting in our own capital. But the advantage to a fund is that if someone has $1,000 to invest and they can put it all into one deal and then have what we call deal concentration risk, if that one deal doesn't perform, that $1,000 is at risk. Or that $1,000, if it goes into a fund structure, is now spread across five, seven, 10 deals. And so if you have one deal that underperforms, you have you know, seven other deals that if they perform as expected, you know, make sure that there's not a loss. And so that's, especially for newer investors, I think that's a great place to spot, start is with a fund structure. So you have immediate diversification across multiple cash flowing assets rather than just you know, starting with one asset at a time. So, you know, when in your, you know, syndication journey or real estate career, you know, were you ready to to start to start a fund as opposed to maybe deal specific, you know, funds or syndications? When was it like, okay, you know, this is time for us to to have our own fund where we can just fund numerous deals out of one fund? Yeah, it's, it's always a balancing act, right? I mean, if you're raising dollars on a per deal basis, then every time you have a new deal, you know, it's a, a new scramble, right? To just, you know, you got to have start having the conversations again, put the pitch deck again. If you're able to get to the point where you can create a fund that attracts investors because your track record is sufficient at that point to do that, now you're bringing in dollars and not having to, you know, go do a roadshow or, or go have, you know, 20 conversations every time you have a new deal. You really have this passive capital on the sidelines ready to be deployed, which is a great thing as a sponsor. So you can focus more of your time on the deals, on the asset management and really getting your investors return. So any cons to, you know, having a fund? Well, you know, some things if I'm, you know, in the syndication business and we've done some deals, but now we're thinking, okay, you know, Alan, this sounds pretty good. Maybe we should start our own fund. What are some things I should, I should remember or be thinking of? Well, so then the, then the question is, well, who are your investors at the fund level? So a lot of your typical funds are, you know, you're trying to court bigger high net worth investors and ultimately make the leap to institutional investors who are writing bigger checks. But the amount of due diligence and the amount of reporting can be overwhelming for some newer sponsors who are new to the fund business. And I think that's a big reason for that a lot of people just shy away from that world. For us at Diversity Fund, you know, our fund investors are all individuals. So we really don't deal with, we have a couple of institutional investors in the fund, but for the most part, it's individuals. And so, you know, we're publicly reporting with the SEC. We do an annual audit, which, you know, creates more work, some, some, some more expense, but we get the advantage of kind of best of both worlds, right? We're not a publicly traded REIT on the stock exchange. We don't have to deal with any of that stock market volatility and are able to get higher returns that way to our investors. But then they also have the advantage of, you know, seeing us as a, as a public reporting REIT. So it's, it's really this balancing act of, you know, understanding there are a lot of extra reporting requirements that come with starting a fund, but there are some advantages too. And you got to look at, hey, are we ready to make this, this transition? Nice. And so, Alan, you know, in your career in the syndication business, what's been the hardest part for you? 
You know, I think problem solving is always the hardest part. With any real estate deal, they rarely go according to plan. There's always something that surprises you. And I think for a lot of us in the business, that's part of the attraction is that where a lot of folks would throw up their hands, you know, it's an opportunity to say, hey, there's not an option. We're going to get this done. We're going to figure out a way to, to get it done. Whether it's creative financing, if you're a little bit short on the equity raise, you know, and you got a week to go to closing or you're, you know, you got the asset, you now own it and you're, you know, knee deep in your renovations and all of a sudden you're tearing up a wall and there's a water issue that you didn't discover in due diligence, you know, and so now you have to move things around the budget and figure out how to do that with the best return to the investors. And there's always problems to solve and that's one of the challenges, but it's also something that I think a lot of us uh, actually really like. Yes. And it sets us apart, doesn't it? If you're the problem solver, then you're going to make it. So what about a way that you all have recently improved your business that we could all apply to ours? You know, we've, and, and I think we'll always be focusing on this. We're, you know, we have a big team. We have, you know, a big marketing team for our online efforts with our SEC qualified REIT, you know, on the website. And then we have, you know, a real estate team of, of five of us. And so we're always trying to be more disciplined about our systems, about you know, creating processes, you know, what's the process of when we have a deal under contract, the process of, you know, creating the pitch deck, who's in charge of that, how many days do they have to get it done, you know, who's going to give the pro forma numbers, you know, and just having this process and system down so that, you know, for example, if I have a guy and he, he you know, he's moving on to a, a different job than with a new hire, they just, you know, sit down, they have their process manual and they know, okay, this is exactly what I have to do. And, and that's how you create a scalable system. So we're always trying to do a better job at defining roles, defining expectations, putting the process, you know, pen to paper and really writing that out it takes extra time and effort, but ultimately it makes your life a lot easier and frees up your time as, as the owner. Is there any kind of system or software that you all use to track those things to keep that improving? Yeah, we use Salesforce to, you know, as a CRM, which, you know, is an expensive commitment, but, you know, very powerful in terms of what it can do. You know, we would use different softwares for our content delivery, you know, on social media on the marketing side. So, yeah, making those investments in, you know, software systems, as always, you know, gives you a little heartburn, like when you're looking at, you know, writing those checks. But when I think what happens is when your company's there, you kind of know it, you know, it's just like, okay, it's time to, you know, bump up our CRM or and make this investment. And, you know, it usually always pays off. So what would be your best advice for caring for investors? I think it's really helpful to create realistic expectations going in, which means you have to be conservative on your pro forma so that you're confident you can meet or beat your numbers. And I like to show investors, you know, here's how, here's how we are conservative. You know, here's the post-renovation comps you know, on, on rents. And we have a range of a buck five a square foot to a dollar fifty a square foot. And I'm showing them how I'm using, you know, a dollar less than the low end of the range in our pro forma. Here's our exit cap rate at seven or seven and a half and stuff is trading, you know, at six or less. And so we're 100 basis points higher on exit cap rate and helping them see, you know, how the assumptions are conservative. So the expectations are realistic and that way, you know, you're not coming in below pro forma where, I mean, we've all seen this happen, right? You promise an 18% IRR and you deliver a 16%, which is a great return. Someone's saying, hey, you guys messed up. What's, what's going on? So, so I just learned that lesson long ago. Come in conservative on the returns and, and everyone will be uh, very happy when you make those numbers uh, work. Great advice. And if you had to pick one thing that's contributed to your success, Alan, what would that be? 
You know, I think tackling the hardest thing, you know, I had a phone call, you know, this morning where, you know, we probably have to ask for an extension with, with the seller. Just, we just need another week to get the financing in place. And there's an example of, that's not a call anyone likes to make. I think a lot of people start thinking of, well, what's the worst case scenario and start thinking doom and gloom, like, oh, the seller could say, you know, we're not going to give you the extension and take your deposit. And I, I just find you just get on the phone, you have the conversation, you tackle the hardest thing in your day. First and foremost, you know, just release that fear and just take it head on. And then you realize everything's solvable in life. There's always an answer. It may not always be the best result that you like, but there's always a solution. There's always a path forward and you just got to tackle it head on. Love that answer. Tackling the hardest thing head on. And so, Alan, how do you like to give back? You know, my family, we, we go to church and there's a lot of volunteer experiences there. And that's great for my kids just to see that there's a lot of folks who have their own personal struggles. I think, you know, helping them see that there's opportunities to serve and give back with time or, or otherwise is something that needs to be part of everyone's life. Just so you kind of get over yourself and forget about your own problems. And so, you know, we try to be very active in service projects and things like that and give that way. Nice. So I appreciate you sharing that. And Alan, you've been a fantastic guest. I appreciate your time. And it's, it's such an important part of the business, right? Educating investors and painting the story that, you know, is very transparent, tells them what they need to know. And even if they don't know what they need to know and getting those things across and appreciate you elaborating on that and uh, telling us pros and cons of managing a business like yours. And uh, but tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. They can always reach me at our website, diversityfund.com. I'm at Alan, A-L-A-N, at diversityfund, D-I-V-E-R-S-Y-F-U-N-D.com. Awesome. Thank you, Alan. Great show. Awesome. Thanks, Wayne. You have a great job, man. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.